Good morning. Got to get my computer open. It is so good to be here. I hope everybody is having an awesome morning. It's been a a good morning for us so far. Uh, I want to point you guys to what we're going to be talking about throughout this time. It's a question that I hope by the end you should have answered. We're going to be talking about joy in unity, in unity with one another. We're going to be looking at this final chapter of Philippians, the first nine verses of that. So here's the question that I want you guys to be trying to answer as I'm speaking this morning. Is it possible to allow joy and unity to rule your life in the midst of difficult and challenging circumstances? As, as the pastor just said in his prayer, it's been a difficult week. Um, uh, my husband's mother passed away last Sunday morning. She battled dementia for several years, and it's, it's been a hard week. It's been a really hard week. I immediately knew that I was going to be preaching today, and I knew that because of her death, it's going to be a little more emotionally challenging for me this week to get prepared. And I so appreciated the pastor called. He said, hey, Bridget, I know you got a lot on your plate. You're like planning a funeral. You're speaking at a funeral. You're, you're, you're pastoring your own family. But if, if we need to wait on this, if you're not going to have the time to get ready, it's okay. We can, we can move it to another week. And I, I knew immediately that God prepares us for such as times as these, Right? I have full confidence that God equips his people, especially during difficult and challenging times. And I believe that he does it so that we can keep showing his majesty and glory. So we're talking about Paul. And if if Paul can go through what Paul has gone through and what we've been learning about, if Paul himself can be beaten and mocked and thrown in prison multiple times and, and persecuted, If God can be with him through those types of dire, awful, awful circumstances, then obviously he can be with me as I'm a little fatigued and and sharing a lot of grief with my family. He wants this message of joy and unity to be delivered today, and I'm just so grateful that I'm here to do that. Interestingly enough, God has ruled my week with joy and unity. So I have learned a lot as I've been studying these scriptures this week. So here I am, here we are, ready to tackle this final chapter in Philippians. As we enter into this final week, we hear, as we have heard the whole time, Paul is speaking words of encouragement to the church at Philippi. This is a church that he loves deeply. He has a big background with them that we've been learning about. He encourages them the entire time. He just wants them to stay focused. He wants them to stay focused on the task at hand. And he wants them to do it by being content, doing it with joy, and staying unified with one another. This chapter is going to offer us some really good nuggets of truth, ways that we can remain joyful so that we can share this Christian life with one another and show it to other people. Now, as we enter into this final week, it's really good for you guys to remember the context from which we are studying this. He is in prison, and he has been in prison, 
uh, the Philippians there have seen him in prison before. They have witnessed how he has reacted to prison. He has been very faithful. He has shown contentment. He has been very joyful throughout. The church has sent him money, and that money has sustained him. It's kept him fed throughout the time he's been in prison. So this money has been sent to him. This letter is going to be a thank you note to them. He so appreciates the fact that they've come back, they love him, and they've taken care of him. But it also is going to be a message of encouragement, and he's going to continue to teach. So I want to start today by reading the chapter 4, verses 1 through 9. And I'm going to read those, and then we're going to go back and unpack them. So if you have your scripture Let's go ahead and open up to Philippians chapter 4, verses 1 through 9. And you can follow along with me while I read. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy, my crown, that is how you should stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. I plead with you, Odia, and I plead with Sintica to agree with each other in the Lord. Yes, I ask you, loyal yoke fellow, help these women who have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, Whatever is admirable, whatever is lovely, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much. We thank you for these words today, these words of truth that you are teaching us how to follow Help us to open our minds and our hearts and our ears so that we can recognize your truth. In your heavenly name, amen. So Paul is recognizing there are two prominent women, two women who have been sharing gospel with other people. They're walking along with Paul. They've helped build up this church. They're in a little disagreement. That never happens at church, does it? We never disagree with each other. We always get along. No one ever has any problems with anyone else. Never happens in society either, right? I mean, we all get along so well. I have learned over the years that it seems as if our world really loves division. At times, it seems like it really thrives on it. We know as believers in Christ that there is only one true way But for those who are disagreeing with each other, they don't understand that way. Our world thrives on the division. Paul knows 
that Jesus is the one true way. And that is his focus. That's why he's so passionate with his response. So let's dig into these verses so we can see how he handles it. So let's look back at verses 2 and 3. I plead with Yodia and I plead with Sintica to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, I ask you, my true companion, help these women, since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. Now, first of all, Paul is intending for this letter to be read aloud, aloud in front of the church. So he's kind of calling these women out a little bit. I don't know how you guys would feel if you showed up on a Sunday morning and Pastor Allen got up here and he knew two of you guys were arguing with each other all week and he called you out in front of everybody. Not good, right? Be a little scary. I wouldn't want to be called out like that. The really interesting thing is that this morning in the 830 service, Jared kind of called out the choir members that hadn't shown back up. It was awesome. <laughs> I was like, he did it in love. He wants you to come back. Um, but the really, the really cool thing here for you to understand is Paul has pure intentions here. He is not trying to embarrass or humiliate these women. His intentions are to try to show everybody how the power of God can reconcile people. He's trying to show them that when we work together and when we are kind and gentle with each other and use our words carefully, that unity can happen and we can point others to Jesus Christ. Now, Paul is pleading with them. The word says, plead. That means he is encouraging strongly. He is pleading with them to follow Jesus's example of humility and his mindset. He's trying to keep them focused on what they share together, on what they have in common, not what they're disagreeing on. As followers, we are held to this higher standard. If we are arguing and divided, we can lose sight of what our calling is and we lose sight of our influence on other people. Paul spends the next few verses really trying to emphasize what it means to be unified and how to love one another. The church needed to understand that their focus should be on the work of Christ. In verses 4 and 5, very familiar verses, I'm sure to so many of you. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. So he's telling us when you're disagreeing with each other, it's okay if you don't agree with everybody all the time, but you need to have disagreements gently and lovingly and joyfully. Whew. You got to remain reasonable and rational anytime you're disagreeing with someone. Can't come across as angry or bitter. And you have to do it with joy. Wow, that's hard. Because when we have a point to make, we can become super passionate. We can become so passionate that we get louder and louder and louder because we're afraid somebody's not hearing us. We feel like if we get louder, they're going to hear us and understand us or maybe even give in eventually. Sometimes we can become completely irrational if we don't think someone hears us, if we don't think they're listening to what we have to say. 
And I'm assuming that this is probably where these women are at this point. They have lost their focus because they are too focused on themselves. Paul is reminding them that they've got to stay in the same mindset of Christ. And that means they have to be gentle and joyful. Now, he finishes up verse 7 by saying, hey, by the way, the Lord is near. So I laughed out loud when I was studying that this week because I thought, wow, how many times have we been in an argument or a disagreement with someone and we're being completely irrational, we're just arguing back and forth with them, and it's really about nothing. It's a nonsense argument because it's not on Christ. It's really about nothing. And all of a sudden, what would it be like Jesus to just show up right there in the midst of it and stand right next to you? How would you feel? A little silly, right? We would feel a little foolish, but here's the thing, you guys. God is with us. God is within us at all times. He tells us in Scripture that he will never leave us. He will never forsake us. So for us to think that God is not near, he's always with us. You can go nowhere without his presence. You know, trying to be right all the time is exhausting. It's completely exhausting, And it separates us from others, and it can keep us from God. We should be mindful of God at all times. He will never leave you or forsake you. So we have to respond with gentleness, and we have to be joyful about it all at the same time. Now, that might seem really hard for most of us. You might say, there's no way I can respond gently, Guess what? You can. Galatians 5, and 23 teach us about the fruit of the Spirit. When you say yes to Jesus, you are saying yes to the Spirit of God to enter your life. And he gives you these free gifts. It's really awesome. These free gifts to help you live your life as a follower. It says the indwelling of the Holy Spirit produces in us love, joy, Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. When you're saying and telling yourself, I just can't do it. I can't do it. I'm too angry at them. I just can't do it. Yes, you can. Because you have the Holy Spirit within you to give you the ability to be self-controlled. You have the ability to speak kindly to someone. You have the ability to be more patient with people. All you need to do is ask. The Spirit is there. It is within you. All you need to do is ask. When you're discouraged, ask for his guidance. When you're frustrated and mad, ask for his guidance. The next two verses are verses that I learned really early in life, and I say them to myself a lot. I I wouldn't say they're my life verses because I have some other verses that are called my life verses, but these are verses that I I point to a lot. And I love that they were in this passage that I'm preaching from today. When I was studying this, I, I was looking at different translations as I was preparing for today to help me to get ready for you guys. And I loved the message translation of this specific two verses. Don't fret. Don't worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers. 
letting God know your concerns. And before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness. Ooh, it's good. Sense of God's wholeness. Everything coming together for good will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. Paul is recognizing that worry and anxiety, they keep us from God. And he's telling us that the cure to worry is prayer. I mean, can it really be that simple? Like we're wor- we worry and we're anxious about everything. Is it that simple? All we got to do is pray? Is that it? And that's what Paul thinks. I mean, what, did, what does the scripture say? It's like, don't worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Give it up. Let God take it. And that wholeness that they're talking about, that's peace. That's a peace that passes your understanding. You can have peace in the midst of chaos, in the midst of an argument, in the midst of division. You can still have peace because that comes from God. He can give that to you. Everything's going to come together for your good. He's going to help settle you down. I think of an anxious person getting settled down. I think of a child after they've just pitched a temper tantrum, settling down. God can help us to do that. Living as Christians can be simple. We just have to be intentional about it. And that means that you're going to need to ask God to help you. And he's going to help you to thrive in the midst of chaos, in the midst of the crazy that's happening around you. Worry will control our minds. Worry puts lies into our lives that we put in our hearts. It can keep us from hearing truth. So Paul is going to spend the next few verses specifically telling us through a list of of words of how to give it up to God and allow him to take it. And it's going to help us to remain focused on him. Now we could spend hours on these two verses alone, but I'm following Paul's lead and we're going to keep it super simple. Let's look back at those verses. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, Whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent and praiseworthy, think about these things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. So how do we gain God's peace? How do we keep our minds focused on him? So that we can share his goodness with other people in the midst of all the division that we see in our life. He gives us this list. And I want us to go through it word for word so that we can walk away today with truth that we can live by. So first he says, whatever is true. For something to be true, it has to be a proven fact. Now, we live in a world that is full of misleading lies that say they are true, but they are not true. They claim they are true, but they are false. In the fall of 2019, my mother-in-law, who just passed away, received a phone call. She received a phone call from someone that said, hey, 
Your grandson, who's away at college, just got arrested. They arrested him for possession of marijuana. If you would come and bring us money, $10,000 worth of money, then we can get him out. Now, you can't call his parents. They can't know about it, or we're not going to be able to help you. So you can imagine Mona, Preston's mom, she's devastated. Like She's like, oh my goodness, I've got to help my grandson. They're going to keep him. We've got to figure out where to find the money. Well, because she was in the early stages of dementia, we had just taken her credit cards away, thankfully, because she would have given them every dime on those credit cards to save her grandson. Now, she was hysterical by the time Ray got home She was devastated and upset. And he kept trying to reassure her, Preston's fine. I'm sure he's fine. There's no way he got arrested. There's just no way he couldn't have gotten arrested. All at the same time, like, oh my gosh, did Preston get arrested? And he keeps trying to call him. We're all trying to call him. None of us can get in touch with him. So now we're all like, oh my gosh, what is happening? What is is going on? Well, he's in class. He's in class. When he gets out of class, he gets multiple voice messages, lots of text messages that are like, call us now. What is going on? What happened to you? What did you do? And he calls us. And guess what, guys? He was just as surprised as the rest of us that he had been arrested. Um, Very, very happy that he was not. But for Mona, there was nothing that could reassure her because of what this person had said to her. They misled her. She had to speak to him herself in order to believe it was true. She needed to know a proven fact. They tried to claim a falsehood so they could get something from her. This happens every single day in our society. So we can discover truth right here in God's word. If you do not know God's word, then you will never, ever truly understand this peace that we're talking about, this peace that passes your understanding. If you don't study God's word, you're not going to be able to experience it. When we feel anxiety and worry, we are allowing the things of this world to take, overtake our minds. The way to get connected back to God and to feel that peace that we're talking about is directly through the truth of his word. And when we study God's word, it helps us to recognize truth better. It helps us to be more discerning to those who are trying to deceive us and trick us because we have the truth to guide us and lead us. We've got to remain focused on what is true Paul then moves on to say whatever is noble. Some translations might say whatever is honorable. And an honored person is a person that is highly respected. There is a a person that people recognize that are honorable because they keep their word. They are reliable. And they have their heart in the right place for people. Now, people of honor live by God's word. And as followers of Christ, we are responsible to also live out the gospel for other people. By doing that, we live in a way that is worthy of being imitated by other people. If we are to live as Christ, we are to be honorable so we can point others to him. 
So whatever is true and whatever is honorable. Next, he says, whatever is right. Some translations are going to say just. Now, we hear the word justice used a lot in society. What does it really mean to be just? To be just means to be fair. To know the difference between what is right and what is wrong. Now, I love working with children, and I know one of the reasons I really love working with kids is because they see the world in black and white. They see right and wrong. As adults, the more we grow up and the older that we get, the more we gray those areas. Right and wrong is okay sometimes, but sometimes I make my own rational reasons as to why I make the choices that I do. And I gray the area of right and wrong. It is interesting how we can justify our actions even publicly. Pull out your phones. Look on social media. You're going to see that happen constantly. We can type hateful messages to people. Messages that are pointing fingers at them. We're condemning them and we're judging them because they're being unjust but it's really ourselves who are being unjust. But we're going to keep pointing our fingers at other people. As followers, we're supposed to live by what is right. And what is right is in his word. He gives us the commandments right here that we are to follow. Here at DBC, we talk about his commands a lot. We call them our four priorities here. We're to love God We're to love people. We are to make a difference. And then we're supposed to make disciples. Those are four easy commands that if we live by those every day, then we're going to be doing what's right by God and focusing on what he's called us to do. Loving God, I find loving God pretty easy. Some days it's a little harder than others when you're going through a hard time. Loving people, whew, some people are really hard to love. They make it really, really hard. But he commands us, love people. We are all created in the image of God, and we all are worthy of loving. We are called to make a difference. That means we're supposed to be serving and giving and helping people that need it. That's what Christ did. That's what he modeled for us. And then we're supposed to go out and make disciples. So we're supposed to share with other people. Tell them about who this Jesus is so that they can then say yes to him and then disciple other people. We want you to live by it. That's why you hear us say it so often. We want you to focus your minds on it. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, Whatever is pure, to be pure in heart is to be clean. To say yes to Jesus is, a, is for us to say goodbye to our old ways. It's our way to say yes to this new self. Through the illustration of baptism, we really get to see the old be washed away and the new be brought out of the baptismal waters. Now, I warn you, If you want to live a life that is pure, it could cost you some friendships. It could cost you some relationships. You're going to have to choose. 
Do you want to watch the latest and greatest Netflix TV show or movie? It might not keep you pure. Do you want to watch the latest and greatest movie that's out that everybody's talking about and listen to the greatest and awesome songs that are just out? They may keep you from being pure. Some of us need to take a sabbatical from social media. Sorry, youth, this is going to be really, really hard. (laughs) Adults as well. I didn't have my phone for about a 24-hour time frame, and my family can tell you it was hard. I was so connected to it. It was a really good reminder right after camp. I needed to take a sabbatical. Leave it. Quit picking it up. Checking emails. Checking in on Facebook. In order for our lives to stay pure, we have got to be intentional about it. God is holy. He is pure. And we corrupt that purity when we sin. And when we put the things in our minds and in our ears that keep us from that purity. As followers of Christ, you are set apart. We are to be different from this world, not of it. So focus your minds on what is pure. So now we're up to what is lovely. The word lovely here means whatever deserves love. So it's pointing to a love of others and building of a relationship with them. And it's pointing to a love of God. He wants the church of Philippi to focus on their love for one another so that they can show others that aren't in the church God's love. Paul wants us to work towards loving each other. Now, as I mentioned a few minutes ago, we are to love others. If we have Christ in us, we are to use words that build people up. We are to use words that encourage and that love, words that are gentle, words that will help. We are to focus our minds on things that are lovely. And finally, we are supposed to be focused on things that are admirable. Some translations are going to use the word commendable. Something that is commendable is worthy of praise. We are to be mindful of praising God and speaking into others, as I just said, with words that lift them up, not tear them down. When we set our minds on things that are admirable, we are praising God even when things look terrible, even when we are discouraged, even when there's chaos around us. Paul praised God in prison He praised God every time he was persecuted. He is telling the people to praise God through all circumstances because God is excellent and God is praiseworthy. You all have to remember, you are the sons and the daughters of the Most High King. You are chosen. You are called. You are the sons and daughters. I am a daughter of the Most High King. If we remember who we belong to, then we don't have such a hard time keeping our minds focused on Him. We should be walking as if we are worthy of the gospel. So we are to think about the things that are true, noble, just, pure, lovely, and admirable so that we can keep our minds 
fully set on him. Now, Paul was a living, breathing example of this, as I just said. In the midst of difficulties, he said, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. When you learn something, you gain knowledge. You learn it, you you gain it. You're going to keep it right here. And once you've received that knowledge, then you can apply it in your life. So you've learned it, now you've received it. Now you're going to apply it. And then you're going to be able to understand it because you know it and you can feel it. This reminds me of a song that I do with the kids I love this song by Zach Williams called Chain Breaker. If you don't know the song, you need to look up the lyrics. The bridge of that song is what I want you to focus on today. If you believe it, if you receive it, then you can feel it. Somebody testify. We are responsible for our thoughts. We are responsible for what we set our minds on and what we set our minds towards. We should be meditating and focusing on these types of things. We gain peace from God when we set our mind on these. We can remain his unified people when we put into practice these things that we have been taught. The key to all of this, intentionality. This is an everyday practice. We cannot promote unity and love and peace if we are not spending time in his word. The more that we practice these things, the more that they come become part of who we are. I challenge you to look through this list. It's a little overwhelming to try to do all those at one time, right? Like I gotta be true and lovely I gotta be just all the time. Like, oh, can't be doing that. I promise if you can take one word a day, one word a week, work through it. Focus your mind on what it means to truly be lovely to somebody. Focus your mind on what it means to really be just. Really think about what's right and wrong. Quit graying it. It's it's right here. It tells you what is right. And it tells you what is wrong. Take time to go through this. Write one of those words on a post-it note. Put it on a mirror. Put it in your car. Wherever it is that will help you to focus. And soon it's going to become a habit. It will be easier for you to do all of these. Because it's going to become part of who you are. I shared with you guys at the beginning of our time today that it has been a hard week. I also hinted at the fact that God used this week to help combine joy and unity within our family. You see, my husband has a family member who has chosen to be separate and be away from our family for the past seven years. They've chosen to be angry, they've chosen to be bitter, and they've chosen to be prideful. And as a result of that choice, that is bled into the rest of us. So at times we were all angry and bitter and prideful. Through Mona's death, we were able to all come back together again. Whatever it was that made him so angry, gosh, it just doesn't matter. It just does not matter. Pride kept 
him away from us, and pride kept us from opening our arms and welcoming him back. We all make those conscious choices every single day. We make choices of how we're going to handle difficulties and how we're going to handle the challenges. I know that, Mama, that Mona heard this. I know she heard unified voices in her room. She longed for her family to be back together, and praise God, it happened while she was still alive. I serve a heavenly father who gave her this beautiful gift of mercy in her final moments right before he welcomed her into his arms. God continued to use Mona even until the very end. Her death brought us all back together. It unified us as a family. Christ's death can bring you to him. It can bring you peace. We're not going to be able to promote unity and peace if we do not spend the time in his word. So if you believe it, if you receive it, if you can feel it, come on, somebody, somebody testify. Yeah. Pastor Allen, we're going to ask him to come up and close this for us. Did you pick up the last verse? Paul said, the things that you have learned and heard and received, practice those things. Our next series is called Replicate. The things that you have learned and heard and received, practice those things. And what? And the peace of God will settle on you, one translation says. Thank you, Bridget. Thanks for sharing with us today. Our band is going to come back and sing one more song, New Wine. And it will allow us to go out from this place and think about the things that we've learned and heard and received. And that when we practice those things, then we love God and we help others love God. We love people and we help others love people. We make disciples, and we help others become disciple makers. And we make a difference, and we help others make a difference. That's what this fall is going to be about, making a difference as disciples. Father, thanks for the day. Thanks for all that you have shown us through your word. Thanks that we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength Thanks that we can let our mind dwell on things that are true and right and noble and admirable and lovely and excellent and praiseworthy. Thanks that we can take in, we can learn, we can receive, we can hear, and we can practice. And then when we do, your peace settles on us. You fill in us, sinners, incomplete inadequate, anxious people, you fill us with new wine. And for that, we're grateful. In Jesus' name, amen.